welcome to another episode of the Potato Files. I'm here in the Never Sleeps Network studio with the star of You Gotta Eat Here, Mr. John Catucci. How you doing today, Johnny? <laughs> good. <laughs> Jeff, how are you, man? Good, good, good. You Gotta Eat Here, uh, five seasons, and yeah. now it is uh, come to an end? It's come to an end, five seasons, 150 episodes, it'll be repeating forever. Yes. Uh, Do you get residuals on that? Come on. No, not in Canada, right? <laughs> it's Canada. I got my $8 an episode, and they were happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, so it's good. It was a good run, man. So it's 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 weird now being... Unemployed? That. No. <laughs> and... Like being able to just do what I want without having to go. Okay, just do. Do I have to get the okay from somebody yeah, before yeah, I talk yeah. to these people or that person, or can I just do this on my own now? So it's always like, oh yeah, I can do this now. And now this you is can good. go eat where you want, wherever eat. I want to eat. There's no cameras on me. I can eat it all, and no one's gonna judge me. <laughs> um. So well, that's exciting. New chapters. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's scary. And getting back into the auditioning. Uh, oh, yeah, world, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. fucked, man. I, I, I'm just so bad at auditioning. I don't know what it is. I just like eat my own balls. It's such a. Uh, it's, I'm so bad at it. I've only auditioned uh, once for a commercial, and then uh, <laughs> just once. Yeah, it was just because I work at CTV, and they uh, they were doing like an in-house audition, and yes. I went down. And I didn't get the role, but they're like, you should come down and be an extra anyway. That's so, funny. So uh, yeah, and then I, I weaseled my way into a speaking role. Yes. So yeah, CTV threw me an extra fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's our connection, right? Because we, we, you're doing the job that I used to do yes, yes, years yes. ago. I'm so, working with so a bunch I'm like of old... three years away from my uh, own TV show. Amazing. That's it. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I'm working with a whole bunch of old uh, old friends of mine, too, which is pretty... That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Did... Uh, where did you... You worked at... Uh, what television station? At City TV. You worked at City with uh, my now boss. With Jana and a whole Gianna. bunch of... Yeah. It was great, man. It was a great experience. I, that was my first real real job out of university. I had like a part-time when I graduated York, I graduated York and then I got a job at the Carlton movie theaters. And I remember getting that job and just going and crying. I was like, Oh my God, I graduated from university. (laughs) I've got to wear a bow tie and a vest and I got to rip tickets and sell coffee. (laughs) And I was just like, what did I, you know, I've got this debt. How am I going to pay this debt off? Yeah, right? I have this yeah. student loan. And I was like, okay, you know what? I promised myself it's only going to be a year. I'm going to work there for a year and that's it. And pretty much I, just about as the year was coming to a close, I got this job at City TV to work in the traffic department. Yeah, that was like me. I Because uh, I, I got right out of college. Um, I got an internship with CTV, like they're like... TSN and all the yeah. like discovery and all these channels that led to like a part-time like freelance they call it freelance yes. but it was like we'll use you when we need you um I did that for about a year and then I got the job in traffic and then boom I've been there for a while but I got I started comedy after I was doing this for a few years yeah, okay. so I just figured all oh, how to work it yeah, all yeah. and yada 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 well, be, and when people are listening to the word traffic it has nothing to do with 
rush hour traffic. No, no, I'm in the helicopter. With, I'm in the helicopter. With cars. <laughs> Zero the city. With cars. We got problems on the DVP. <laughs> a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, Steve Lobosa. Do you remember me, Steve? Do you ever meet Steve? No, he used to I don't do tech at second, second City for years, and we might, we knew him from uh, from York University. I think it was like four years working in my job. He just he comes up to me, and goes, "You know, I just realized your job has nothing to do with cars." I was like, "Yep, <laughs> yes, it does. It's all about so the commercials." You're just make this working commercial traffic tomorrow. You're just like a liaison between. <laughs> the on-air department master control sales departments yeah, yeah. advertising agencies like you're the hub and you're everything is coming towards you and you're creating like a daily log mm-hmm. i would get my job done on a wednesday <laughs> and then it would have to f- just pull my hair out for two days <laughs> to try to and i'll be like do you need some help do you need any help do you, do you need any help and it's just prior to like having like the internet at our desk yeah, yeah, yeah. kids this is, you, there you were times it? where you never had you the computer that was at your desk was just some terminal some dummy terminal that you could just input stuff into hadn't there was no connection to the outside world at all <laughs> and then when you got the internet we're like oh my god we can we can watch whatever we want when we're not working uh it was the good old days you just realized you had to figure out how to have fun at the office and it was the second day there that i realized i could dial out from my phone and dial back into the switchboard and then call my coworkers. But it would sound like it was ringing from the outside. <laughs> so I would just crank call them from my desk and they'd be just two seats over. And I'd be calling and I'd be complaining about a certain commercials that were on air and how offensive they were. That's funny. My, my buddy did something similar. Uh, he... Um we had a fr- we had a friend who works like pretty high up in uh, TD like uh, investment banker. Yeah. So my buddy he's a prankster and he um, he's a headhunter as well. So he knows all these back doors and how to call companies and shit. And years ago he uh, he called this HR department, the TD HR department, <laughs> and like talked to this guy for a bit just to get him on the phone. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, oh, he goes, can you transfer me to to uh, Trevor Hope, uh, our friend? <laughs> And so this guy from HR transferred him oh. from his phone. So when our buddy Trevor sees it, it's coming from, from HR. HR. <laughs> and then he just started, he started fucking with them. Because <laughs> like, he uh, he had emailed him that morning and he was like, I need, can you give me a list of all your presidents of finance or something? And he was like, like he CC'd me on it. I'm like, he's not giving you any of this information. He's like, no, I'm working on something. And he had him on the phone. Like you're a training company information with a headhunting company. And he's like, no, no, I don't even know that guy. Oh, he's like amazing. a friend of a friend. Amazing. <laughs> I, so I would get my friends to call in and, and, and fuck with my coworkers. So, uh, do you know, Nug, you've met Nug, right? Yeah, Nug. So Mike Nargang, uh, who we, we love and we, his nickname is Nug, and it's just stuck. And that's there's many people who just know him as Nug. And I don't didn't even know, know. I thought I. Yeah, no idea his first name was Mike. No, no, I understand. no. There's a lot of people that had no idea that his first name was Mike. <laughs> I got him to call. I got him to call John. I got him to call our my old coworker, who is now Jeff's uh, manager. <laughs> got him. Got him to call and complain about a marine land commercial about how the whales were being kept in captivity and how it was unfair and all this stuff and i could hear only her side of the conversation her saying oh yes sir but uh, but we have but we have nothing to do with the commercial sir we have nothing to do with the whales we, uh, I, yes sir uh, okay and she hangs up and she's like oh my god holy sh- oh jeez and i'm just fucking dying at my desk and she's just eyeballs me and she just and she's she wants to hate me at the same time but she's laughing as well so we fast forward three months i get this phone call 
from this irate lady about some sort of antihistamine commercial and how uh, it's killing people and, and don't you care about who dies and what happens if it was your family member and all this stuff and I'm just going yes okay. oh, yeah, I, I understand yes I, I, uh-huh. yeah yeah and I hung up and I was like holy shit and then Jana turns around and she, and she starts laughing she goes that was my mother <laughs> that's great oh, man. So great. Much fun. Great. I had so much fun at that job I, I had like a manager who kind of lived vicariously through like at the same time as working this full-time job i was doing comedy Mm -hmm. like so i had a nine-to-five job and then at night i was doing comedy almost every night was doing i had i was in a a couple of sketch troops was in uh performance anxiety i was in uh the minnesota wrecking crew with nug and ron sparks my buddy josh uh and then doing doo-wop stuff as well so every night it was something different and then there'd be times where i'd work nine to five monday to friday and then we would the the doo-wops were headlining at at the old comedy works (laughs) no comedy would up at steel and Bathurst so I take the you know the streetcar the subway from like Queen and John all the way to the Steels and Bathurst and it, you could do it and I loved it I loved every second of it right it's I've been doing it for uh years now yeah um probably I guess it's seven years yeah. um and uh it's starting to wear on me yeah our, our friend Gianna has uh she's woken me up a couple times <laughs> at the office <laughs> that's uh, amazing but it's just like I don't know because there's downtime and I'm just like what do I do? I could stare at the internet or I could just How close this, my man? eyes. You should get glasses with your eyes painted well, on them. I thought about that. <laughs> what was that movie, uh, Strange Wilderness, when he had eyeballs tattooed <laughs> yes, onto his eyes? <laughs> I, I was lucky at that job. Uh, my manager, Lauren Perlmutter, for years has always said, don't quit your day job until you have to. Mm-hmm. Make it work. Beg, borrow, st- whatever you have to do, make it work. So I had a manager and just... Uh, uh, Kim, I can't remember her last name right now, but she was great. And she would let, let me go leave work early, come in late as long as my work was done. And I made sure my work was always done. And back in the day, all the audition places. So I was working at Queen and John downtown and all the audition places were on the East end. It was, everything was a $7 cab ride. Jump yeah. in $7. Cab ride, $7. Like, so it was always, it was, you could get everywhere quick. But you can't get anywhere for $7. No, you can't get anywhere for $7. But Every time I booked a commercial, I would just book vacation day off or, you know, I I was on a kid's show for like three seasons and I would book again, book vacation times off Mm -hmm. to do that. And then it just got to a point where the comedy stuff was, was getting more and more. And I remember it was, uh, uh, was it 13, 14 years ago, Dave and I, uh, Dave Mizziano, the other doo-wop, we got offered to do a cross Canada just for laughs tour. And I was like, oh, it was going to be a month long. So I was like, shit, what am I going to do? So I went up to the managers and I said, listen, I got this offer. I'd love to take a leave of absence. If you can do that, that'd be great. Because I kind of wanted to give it like, in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to give it six months, Mm -hmm. right? I'll give it six months and my job is safe and I can come back. Because I was making really good cash, man, in my early 20s, right? Uh, And uh, they said, no, they couldn't do it. You know, it's going to set a bad precedent mm. so talk to my girlfriend my wife now and she's like i think you got to do it and so i quit my day job got married two weeks later <laughs> we went on our honeymoon and then i was off for a month on this tour and it was with it was us it was russell peters there's jeremy hots nice uh worth quitting your day job for yeah 
Joe Starr, Mike Britt, Adam Bloom. It was a great, we had such an amazing, an amazing time on this tour. And it was just, it, it was just before Russell exploded. Like, yes. he, like we, we went places, people were loving him, right? But it was just before he just became yeah. this megastar. Uh, and it was just this incredible, fun, ridiculous, silly tour across Canada. And it was such a learning experience and, and an eye-opening experience to be on the road with your peers like that. Uh, and it, we, yeah, it was still one of my greatest experiences as a comic for yeah. sure. You know, I hear you with the, uh, cause I'm getting to the point where I'm like, I gotta make a choice or I gotta put the brakes on the comedy a bit or something. Like I got offered, uh, I did a month at West this year yeah. and I, it was all vacation time. Yeah. Um, and so it was good cause like being on the road and still getting paid, uh, through your day job is real nice if you could do that that's what i mean right like do both until Um, you can't but yeah and then uh and then i um i requested uh some stuff out east and i i didn't get it and then so i i booked all this vacation time and actually you know took some vacation for the summer and then what i requested got offered to me and i'm like i've got four days of vacation left so i'm like i can't do an east coast tour now but uh it was like it's one of those things where i'm like I'm like, well, I could just stop working and then go on out east. But then what the hell do I do when I get back? Yeah. When I just like, can I just do it in the new year when I got new vacation? Yeah. They're like, yeah, you can do it then. Oh, perfect. Like, okay. okay, I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's it's a constant back and forth. Even like me and Kira have been talking about it a lot. Like, because I, I got to drive out to Scarborough every day. We live right downtown. I'm just like, it's just, it's getting to the point. And she's, I think she's, she likes having a boyfriend who uh, has money. Sure. <laughs> yes. That's always a good thing. Yeah. And, um, but I'm like, I was telling i'm like i still make money doing stand-up like i'm making about half of what i do make at ctv sure uh maybe a bit more yeah but i'm like well with free time i could make more yeah you know so i don't know it's it's gonna come to a head you also don't want to be house poor you also don't want to be that you know what i mean like yeah. you like you you got a standard of living well, yeah, there that you yeah. like and, and the, the thing you know, is because like, because i didn't start comedy in my th- till my 30s like i I had a standard of living. Like sure. If I started when I was 18, um, I could have like lived on fucking floors and couches exactly. for 10 years and then been in the situation where I need to be in my 30s where I didn't have to do that yeah. shit. But uh, I, uh, I came late to the game, so... Yeah, man, coming like we uh, the duops we had like a five five year kind of hiatus because I was hosting the show, uh, and when I came when I was down off to, like off the show and I was in town I was only in town for a couple of days so it was kind of hard to go oh honey yeah you haven't seen me in two weeks I'm gonna yeah. go do some stage time and even though I missed it so much. Uh, I just couldn't do that, right? Like I needed to be near my family, recharge and mm-hmm. re- re- hang out with my kids and my wife. Yeah. Uh, but now that we're doing it again, it's like, fuck, I forgot. Like this is like a, this is a young kid's game. This is a young person's game. You know what I mean? Like it's not, yeah. how old are you now? I'm 44 now. Yeah. So, and, and like, I still got to wake up early and bring my kids to school. So mm-hmm. like you're trying to, trying to do sets at like 11 o'clock uh, and then coming home and then you're buzzed cause you've been on stage and you can't crash yet. So you're up till two and then you're like, you got to get up at seven with these kids <laughs> and who need breakfast and lunch made for them. It's interesting to try to see where the comedy life lives now. Yeah. I had the same conversation with Steve Patterson last yeah. week. Who's just like, he's likes going out and doing the shows but his kids waking up no matter what you know yeah you can't hit the snooze button on that you can't just say listen you know what daddy does for a living <laughs> i don't want to write you into my bits yeah. just, just let me sleep see it'd be better if we you were just one of the comics that were up all night till your kid got up 
getting ready get for school. school. And then it's like, oh my gosh. I think I like I this. Just make that I like transformation. I gotta, I gotta slowly let's go build out this. We'll start. Okay, well, let's get. We, we were skipping over the whole point of this podcast. What's like, the podcast? It's me finding out about you. Okay, so, where do you want to learn? No, where did it all begin? Where'd you, where were you born? You uh, Born in Toronto. You were a city boy? A city boy. I was one of the few people that. That I talked to in this in this industry yeah. that they actually well, from in the Toronto city. in the city, true, yeah. Uh, what neighborhood? I grew up at Scarlet and Eglinton area, okay. so it was back. It was just at the edge of Etobicoke. It was before the city amalgamated. It's the city of York. Grew up in a condo with my mom and dad and my th- my two sisters. Condo uh, with three kids. Yeah, we, it squeeze? was tight squeeze, man. It was a tight squeeze. Like I think my sister lived slept on the couch for years until my <laughs> older sister moved out, and then she got her room, and then I had my own room. So it was like a it was a bit of a tight squeeze but we we made it happen it was, uh, middle class uh yeah middle class yeah. you know what i mean like uh it was funny looking back at stuff i i, I look back in my childhood and and my cousins would like the new gaming system my cousin would already have it or a new bike my cousin would always have it <laughs> it was just in my head it was just like oh they're spoiled yeah. right they're just spoiled but really my parents didn't have the cash for it yeah right my my, my dad worked three different jobs what all, what all do you do? Well, he, he was a tailor by trade. Okay. And came to Canada in the 60s, mid-63, and like got here on a Wednesday, and by Monday, he had a job, <laughs> right? He used to, he worked at the at the Tip Top Tailors, the old Tip Top Tailors yeah. down on uh, on Lakeshore there, where the Tip Top Tailors condos now. That That's where the actual factory was. As is English. Oh, poor. Like, yeah. like, like. And even though he was here from the 60s, right? He died, he died about eight years ago. Huh. Uh, but I would translate his English into English. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he would make, he had the balls to make fun of my Italian. The fucking guy. Like, if I, and I used to say, like, if I lived in Italy for 40 years, just by osmosis, just by walking by on the street, listening to conversations, I would have picked it up, right? Yeah. Like, he used to make fun of my Italian, like, major. And I remember going to Italy with my wife, like, years ago, before we got married, and talking to people in Italian. And they're like, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Toronto. And they're like, but why are you speaking Italian? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my parents are Italian. You know, I was born. And they're like, oh, your Italian's really good. I was like, really? Was like, Can you call my dad? <laughs> tell him that. Can you tell him that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my dad, I, I love that story. We got here on a Wednesday. He was working by Monday, and he, he got this entry-level job at Tip Top Tailors as a tailor. Him, him and your mom come together? No, uh, they got married here, so their families knew each other. Uh, uh, they were in uh, uh, Bitonto, in Bari. Uh, and, uh, sorry, Bitondo, with a D. And uh, they came here. Their families knew each other. My grandfather on my dad's side... He worked in a, it's called a pasta. So my dad's dad was a cobbler by trade. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so they were from Bitonto with a T. Bitonto in Bari, near, in Puglia. My dad's dad was a cobbler by trade, but played trumpet, jazz trumpet. Nice. His claim to fame was like, he played in front of Mussolini. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like, he would play trumpet all the time. He had like bands and, and that's how he made his extra cash. As oh, the, cool, as, cool. Like his passion on the side was artistry, right? Like, to be yeah. an artist, musician. My dad's dad, my mom's dad was like a baker and I, he used to make pasta and stuff like that. But 
then in the army, he would he was doing sketch comedy and musical comedy for the soldiers, for the Italian soldiers. Really? Yeah. So when I heard about that, when I was doing the doo-wop stuff, I was like, holy shit, this is what I'm doing right now. We're yeah. doing musical comedy. And that's what he was doing. Oh, cool. Uh, so the families knew we of each other, but they got married here. Uh, so, yeah. So back to my dad's story. He comes here, comes to Toronto, gets hired at Tip Top Tailors uh, as just some entry level kind of schmuck. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, But the guy, the manager there sees the thimble imprint on my dad's finger and goes, oh, this guy's serious. He knows what he's doing. Like, he's not some idiot. You know? yeah. And so they bumped him up in, in like pay grade a couple of just right there. Nice. And uh, yeah, my dad would always be doing our tailoring for us. Like, uh, I never had to get my pants tailored and yeah. hemmed. That's until great. my dad passed away. And then I was like, holy shit, this is expensive. You guys, people pay for this? <laughs> I, this I, doesn't I, happen normally. <laughs> I got a place in Scarborough. I think it's nine bucks for a ham. Yeah. But I can't, I've, I've got a, a, a nice pear-shaped body. Oh, so do I, you? I, Yeah, a little, little bit of a weight problem. Yeah. But I, uh, I, um, I can't find pants that have this waist and my short leg length. They, they just don't <laughs> what exist. What are you? What are you? Um, what's, your, what's your waist and length? I'm thinking 36 waist and maybe... 30 leg i don't know the exact measurement because they don't make it so i've never seen it so i just have to get i'm like okay the waist 36 24 is that well i always get really long and then you gotta gotta so so they can yeah because if you get like if you don't get long enough then the hem screwed up yeah for sure you need a lot to cut off but um but my dad would my dad would hem all our equipment like end of summer before going to school we'd be standing on the kitchen table (laughs) and he'd have like hit little pin cushion around his nice. uh, his, uh, his his wrist and like a couple of pins in his mouth and he'd be hemming our pants and be like stand up straight <laughs> stand up straight and he'd yell at us to stand up straight and he had like uh, for the longest time uh, he had this uh, industrial sized sewing machine <laughs> in one of the closets <laughs> and the neighbors downstairs would get so pissed because it would <laughs> That was some serious fucking shit. It was serious. Uh, and so he would like, he was a tailor by trade. He worked at the factory and then would do alterations on the side. So people in the building knew he would do it. So he'd do that for, for, for some cash. Worked at my uncle's restaurant as like a kitchen helper with making bruschetta, cleaning, t- cleaning plates, doing whatever. Then worked at some other uh, shops here and there at uh, like clothing shops that, yeah. th- that he would tailor their clothes for them. Just keeping busy. Keep it Trying always. Raise three kids. Always, right? And, and there was another t- place that he worked at every Saturday at Bathurst and St. Clair or Vaughn and St. Clair in there. Uh, and they would, uh, that place pressed all shirts and clothes for like factories and, and businesses and stuff like that. So he would put in a couple of hours there every morning, pressing clothes and stuff like that. And he, you know, if we had stuff that needed pressing, he would bring it there and he brought fucking jeans once <laughs> and he would fucking crease down the center. Like, oh. like, right down. Like, oh, come on. It looks good. It's nice. It's nice. Um, that Im- immigrant uh, work ethic. It's, uh, it's not, yeah, man. Like, and, and and so when I hear people shitting on immigrants, it gets me so pissed off. I'm like, they're stealing our jobs. No, what they're coming here doing the shit what, we don't want to do. Jobs, the yeah. jobs you don't want to do, the jobs that you think you're too good mm-hmm. to do. Like my my mom's de- mom and dad when they came to to Canada, they cleaned out a movie theater. That's what that, that's what they did for money. Mm-hmm. You know, my 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 mom's my mom's dad got a job at the Loblaws. At uh, near York, though, there used to be a Loblaws as in the bakery. Did that? Like my 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 mom worked all kinds of factories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like you do whatever you have to do to 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 exactly to feed your family. Like we we never went without food. 
We never went without clothes. We didn't have like the new bikes and new mm-hmm. toys and shit like that. Christmas came. We always had stuff. Like my dad like worked his ass off, but put himself in debt. What was his temper like? Very even keel. Yeah. But I mean, to the point of really not being part of the family. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he'd come home. I remember this. He'd come home and at dinner time, he'd be like, I don't want anybody talking at the dinner table. And as a kid, I was like, what a fucking, what an asshole. But now as kid, as a dad, I'm like, just shit. Just eat your, <laughs> just eat your fucking food, please. Just eat it. And sure, man. This guy worked in factories and sewing machines going for eight hours. Oh, just some quiet. I just wanted some qu- peace and quiet. Like I would see my dad on a Sunday and he was tired. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he, would, he would crash on the couch in the afternoon on a Sunday. That was his, like, dream to have that nap. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, I miss him lots, man. Like, he, he, he had diabetes and didn't do anything about it. Didn't take care of himself. But when he got sick, it's the old school, you know, Italian mentality that the whole family's got to stop what they're doing and take care of him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, in the hospitals, he had to, somebody had to be with him, do this, you know? But at the end of it, he got really sick. Like, his, his kidneys were going. Like, diabetes, I didn't know how bad it was. Like his kidneys started going. It just, it was, it was sad. You know what I mean? Like, he was such a lovely man. Everyone really loved him. He was sweet. Like, he loved to cook. That's what my... Was my he a big guy? Like, for uh, diabetes? Uh, he, was, or- he, was, he, was, uh, he was a round guy. Yeah. He, he always had a belly, but it was solid. It was never this, like, loose... Like, it was like, always a solid fucking punch. Yeah, like... Right you know here, I mean? baby. Yeah, baby. It's all there. <laughs> uh, but he loved to cook. That was that was his death. You know what I mean? The, the food fucking got mm-hmm. to him. You know what I mean? Like, the, when the doctor said, okay, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. He's like, well, well, what's the use? Oh, what am I living for if I can't have that stuff? I can't have salami. I can't have cheese. Come on. He was a good kid, man. He was a good guy. Uh, like uh, my, my, my dad's uh, eating habits are killing him. Um, I, like, he, he eats too much. And um, he's a bigger guy. He's starting to lose some weight now, but he's uh, still a bigger guy. And he like, he just his portion control is insane. But then he like makes fun of or not like bitches about his one buddy that uh, he had a stroke, and the doctor's like, you can't drink or smoke anymore. And his buddy's like, well, if I can't drink or smoke, what the fuck's the point? And, and he's like, the guy won't even quit drinking or smoking, so he can live longer. I'm like, you won't stop eating, so you can live longer. You know, like fucking have a salad. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I think it, was hard, it was hard. Yeah, it was hard to uh, make that connection between what you're doing what you're eating to your health right Mm -hmm. and we never did any exercises growing up that that was like we never did like sports and stuff like that and it was like you're in your house but my parents didn't have the money to do it or the time to do it right i'm a lazy bastard too right so i forced myself to go to the gym i had to hire a personal trainer because there's no way i can do my own yeah zero i have zero willpower to do that stuff (laughs) i'd rather sit on a couch and watch television you you keep yourself in pretty good shape though but i have to right because i know it's a it's tough it's it's a like you get to a certain age where everything just oh that hurts for no reason Mm -hmm. your knees hurt for no fucking reason or your back like what did i do i self-diagnosed myself this morning i'm I'm like my ankle hurts yeah must have the gout (laughs) 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 i'm like oh i got the gout now that's it good night guys uh it's all the soda pop it's your soda pop intake i know know it's beer actually yeah i drink far too much beer but i just fuck it's so good (laughs) i hardly hardly even get drunk anymore it's just like have like four or five pints and uh call it a night so now I'm looking over your shoulder. Okay, in the Never Sleep Studio. The Never Sleep Studio, and there's the the sign for the Tip Top Tailors. Hey, look at that, eh? Yeah. Dad's watching. Dad's watching. Uh, <laughs> was there a lot of religion in your house growing up, being a, an Italian immigrant? You know what? It was always there, 
but we never went to church on Sundays. I don't remember going ever to a midnight mass at Christmas, but it was definitely used as a controller. Jesus is a guilt controller. <laughs> like you better eat your dinner because Jesus is going to upset. Are you going to don't talk, don't talk bad about, to your family because Jesus is going to upset or this and that. Don't. So there's always that, right? Mm-hmm. That was there, but he was never really. My dad was never like we go to we go to Easter Mass and we go to a Palm Sunday Mass and that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, Good Friday church season. Yeah, church. We did church season, right? <laughs> well, it's springtime. Better get, yeah. get your church clothes ready. Uh, but it was weird. My dad would kiss bread before throwing it out. <laughs> body of Christ. Like it was a body of Christ. I guess so. Like, like that was always a weird thing. Like, and if we were like, we take the dough out of the the, the panino or out of the bun and we throw it at each other, my dad would lose his shit. Oh, what are you doing? You know, throw Don't the do bread. It. Throw the bread. What are you doing? Uh, and my mom worked factories all her life too. She worked at Eddie Bauer for years. She's still around. She's still around. Yeah, she's still around. She's uh, she's getting old. She's starting to forget things, which always a bit. It's scary and fucking frustrating and still worrisome. Still in the same condo you grew up. Still in the same condo, man. Like forty two years now. Jeez. Yeah, but she's there on her own now. So this three bedroom condo is big. Uh, but she's you know she's still doing it. Last week we brought her to the fucking. So she had to go to the get her hear, ears tested. Because she has hearing aids, but every year, I guess every year, every two years, you got to go check. So we go there and the guy's trying to check her ears out. And she's like, oh, he's like, her ears are just full of wax. I was like, he's like, yeah, yeah, there's no way I could test her ears because her ears are full of wax. I was like, oh, okay. I go, this could be a reason why you're not fucking focused, man, right? (laughs) Like maybe you can't hear a thing. Even though you got your hearing aids in, you know, there's fucking wax in your ears. You can't hear. He's like, I could try to take it out, but I don't have the stuff here. And I was like, okay. So in his attempt to take it out, he just shoves it in farther. And now she can't hear a fucking thing anymore. So she's worse off going to the ear doctor than than we than we when we, when we walked in. So I'm like, shit. He's like, oh yeah, you gotta have to like you know get some oil, do something, try to loosen up the earwax and try to get it out. So I was like, shit. Okay, you're coming to my. She stayed at my house that night. I was like, okay, I'm putting fucking drops in her ears. Did it do anything? No. Then that was like on the Saturday. On the Sunday, she goes to a wedding with my aunt and some other people, and she can't fucking hear a thing the entire <laughs> wedding. She's just like, ah, oh, what? Yeah. So she does the the oil stuff and so, she, so the, she goes to her GP and her GP's like oh can't he tried to flush it out can't do anything it's really clogged in there you gotta put like olive oil in your ears so for three nights olive oil in her ears and then it's starting to loosen up and then she goes back it's all clear now so now you can hear so now because when I fucking call her house she's got like Italian channel blasting <laughs> and as I'm trying to have a conversation with her she's like oh you gotta you gotta hold on a second I gotta turn it down and then she's trying to turn the, the, the volume down on the TV but the cat is lying across the TV where the infra- with where the thing is. So she's like, "It's this fucking cat. I can't move it. I can't get it in. It's right where I have to go. The t- I gotta get up." So I'm like, "Holy shit! I just wanted to know if you took your pills oh, today. Did you take your pills today? What? What? Uh, my mom now. Uh, she." Still holds the phone to her ear, but has to have it on speakerphone. Of course. Um, and I'm like, take me off speakerphone. She's like, I can't hear it otherwise. I'm like, oh, God. Ha- has she gone to check her ears? Mm, I don't know. Probably. Okay. Or is she, <laughs> is she the, 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 I can't have hearing she's aids. A, I, she's all right. She's uh, she's still young. She's uh, 
62. Yeah. My dad actually turned 62 today. So happy birthday. Happy birthday, dad. You'll never listen to this podcast. What's his name? Chris. Chris. Chris Paul. Chris famous Paul. basketball player. Oh my gosh. How is he? Is no. he, what was his, uh, what was his shooting average? Um, he's still, he's still playing. He's saying, do you not follow basketball? No, I'm talking about your dad. Oh. I thought your dad. No, my I dad. Your dad uh, was a famous basketball player. No, my dad, um, he, uh, he drove a bread truck. Still drives a bread Did truck. He really? Yeah, Dempsters. No way. Yeah, it still does. He's been, uh, he's, he's uh how many like, years um since 73 wow. i think yeah he's been he's been out of a while lifer yeah yeah he's he's like he owns his own franchise it's it's like a franchise um like your, 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 your the- root your root is a franchise like so it's you i don't know you buy the bread and you f- sell it to these so does stores. he have does he have to go out as well at- and find new clients? No, 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 no. There's a, there, through... there, the company has a sales rep that does oh, all okay, that. Okay, but, okay. Uh, um, it's basically like you can make no money or you can make a lot of money. It depends how much you want to work sort of thing. Interesting. Uh, he's got my brother working for him too. So they're, they're, they're doing all right. So you're telling me you got, did you get like free bread yeah. all your life? Free, free Dempster's bread. But, and he also like friended other truck drivers that deliver other shit. So there was like trades. Oh my God. Trades and barters going no. on and stuff. When he, he was in tight with the hostess guy. Yeah. When we were kids. <laughs> Fuck. We ate a lot of chips. <laughs> it's a, his own Dempster's franchise. I guess that's what it's called, but he's the longest, franchisee in canada for wow. uh for dempsters it's like yeah like 40 40 years or 40. that's amazing yeah yeah long time and he still drives like, he still does it yeah yeah he's uh he's well he's 62 he's i think he's just gonna do it till he's 65 yeah. and then uh he's he's getting a new knee once he retires nice. and then i think he's gonna help my brother out here and there but yeah. my brother's gonna take it over yeah my mom got her knee replaced last not this past summer, uh, last summer. Uh, it was uh, interesting. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, I, yeah. I was very proud of her, though, because she, she she did the work that she needed to do to, to do the rehab. Mm-hmm. She, uh, she she fought against it. Like, I was like, you got to do it, man. You got to. Like, so she stayed at my place for a couple of weeks and stayed at my sister's for a couple of weeks. And I was like, really honor. And every morning we did it. Every night we did it. Uh, but she did it. And then she went to the off like at the rehab center where you had to go to get that done. And, uh, it was a big deal and she did it, man. Like there was, uh, and now, and now she's like, Oh, I think my other knee's going. I don't want it to go. I was like, I, I, you I, were all worried about it. I got a trick knee and one yeah. day. Yeah. I, I played lacrosse growing up and oh, just, excuse uh, me, anybody? yeah, running around on that cement floor forever. It was, uh, too much. That's too much. Too much. Too much. So, um, what do you, so you played no sports growing up. What about in school? No, no, I, I I tried out for volleyball, yeah, and right. I'm a short little guy, and it didn't it didn't but work. You're, you're, do you are you an athletic person, or are you like? No, I've got. I think I've if got. If you were to have to throw a football, how ridiculous th- would it look? Oh, I can throw a football. Okay. I can't catch for shit. Okay, uh, and I think it's because I got one bad eye. So my my. Uh, uh, equilibrium I, th- I don't know if it's equilibrium or, or not, if it's just like yeah. uh the, what the fuck's it called what is it called see i don't play sports i don't know what this is talk guys uh, uh who are listening to this what's it called i i can't remember my vision <laughs> i just say vision <laughs> so hand eye like, coordination hand eye coordination so my uh, I, i've got one bad eye and it's never been like i can i can read your your t-shirt i can't like i've got this card in front of me that never sleeps network card yeah, and i mentioned that you gotta plug the plug the i studio. have to get really close to to see it like really? i know it's alex's name on it but i, I can't read anything else on it <laughs> yeah so as a kid i'd have to wear an eye patch over my good eye to strengthen my bad eye oh really yeah but i would my parents 
were so not with what was happening that I put it over the bad eye so I could watch TV with the good eye like an asshole right like an asshole so I could watch Rocket Robin Hood and uh how's your good eye though real good uh for for years it was it was 2020 uh but forever I was told that you have to wear glasses because if you if you know in case anything gets in your in your good eye you're fucked right yeah. so I had lived with this fear of doing all this stuff so uh, I guess the glasses one prescription is way different yeah one so lens. I have one one prescription my left eye there's there's no like it's just glass like there's no oh, prescription there's, there's at there's all no like, prescription for the longest time I used to have like if you look at all the pictures of as a kid fuck just like there's I, I'm surprised I didn't just get my ass kicked all the fucking time yeah an eye patch nobody's kicking an eye patch school but my they had a really thick lens on my left eye so all my pictures as a kid my glasses are tilted to the left <laughs> and i've got this goofy little smile on uh and it's just ridiculous i had a friend of mine an old old um work colleague i worked in traffic at city years ago claire white her name was and she had the same thing with her eye as me and we were talking about this having to wear an eye patch and she had to wear this flesh colored she didn't even have a black at least i had a black one it looked like a pirate she had this weird flesh colored eye patch and we just laughed at that for just forever so yeah i never did sports growing up always wanted to you know like saw my cousins play soccer and did mm-hmm. this. like when i would uh i'd always visit my cousin marco and his mom and dad and his family and they lived on saint Clair, and so i pretty much spent my summers there with them right and we'd every every day we'd be playing street hockey so i played tons of street hockey loved it had fun with it mm-hmm. had a really good slap shot nice back in the day you know when i'd wind up everybody would move away <laughs> goalie who had the pads that were old like uh, cushions from a couch oh, you that we just, found. Yeah, you, you, you tie them on. Tie them on so they, were just, they were just cutting into the back of your leg. Uh, and it, poor guy, just the, the slap shot was coming. And I, I and I, I think I had it for one summer. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that summer where you figured out that, that backswing, everything. You know how it's yeah. perfect. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, I, that's what the, we play. You know, we'd leave in the morning. We come back for lunch. We leave again after lunch and play till the the, the lights came out. And then we play like kids do. Right? Like kids did kids back did. in the day. Uh, until we're also too scared to mm-hmm. be without our kids at every second. Yeah, now they, uh, they they play until the lights go out, but then once the lights go out, the iPad illuminates their face. Yeah. <laughs> we do, we try really hard to not let our kids be on it. Like they have, I have an old iPad that I let them have, but we never charge it because we know that but like when they have their like dance recitals we'll make sure it's charged so because they're sitting around for six hours just they have something to do but but at home and stuff no like i've got like friends and nieces and nephews that come over and they're always on their stuff and they're always like we have your uh wi-fi password i'm like why do you want it like (laughs) what's going on are you gonna talk let's play yeah i mean like listen when i was a kid i was super shy like ridiculously shy i like would be in my room. I would have cousins and cousins over, family over, and I'd say hello to them, and then I'd just be in my room. Yeah, I liked being alone for the longest time, and it wasn't until high school that I kind of started coming out of my shell. I was in a band in high school, a couple of bands, and that's where I realized I, I like. I always liked singing, but I was always too shy to do it. I always wanted to be on stage, but I could like I, I wanted to be part of the drama club. But I knew that all my jock friends and Gino friends and Gina friends and just the preppy <laughs> friends would have made fun of me. Mm-hmm. So I was that high school kid that I couldn't do it because the peer like that my peers would have made I, fun I, of I, me. Right? Did, oh, I was my high school was a drama school. Oh, wow, like, um, like people came from out of town to go to the school, and I never. 
Like I wanted to. Yeah. But I'm like, nah, I'm not, I'm not getting with those drama fucking idiots, yeah, you yeah. know? And, uh, I don't know. I probably why I didn't get on stage until I was in my thirties. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I always <laughs> wanted to do it all through high school, but I was like, I knew that I was going to be like, they were going to make fun of me. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. and I didn't have the self-confidence to go, fuck you. I want to yeah. do it. And I should just do it. Were you a good student? I was average all, all through, all through yeah. school, all through university and stuff like that. I still don't know how the fuck I graduated university. What did you go to university for? I, I, and eventually picked political science. Okay. So poli-sci major, <laughs> right. uh, Canadian political science. And then I, oh, you know, I figured, you know, I, I learned how to, how to manipulate the masses. <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, what about ladies growing up? A very, uh, like again, super shy. Yeah. Like I, I, uh, there was a girlfriend, when well, my first girlfriend in high school, I broke up with cause she wanted to have sex with me and I wasn't ready. And I was freaked out and I broke up with her over the phone. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't I gotta do go. this. Like she wanted me to come over to her house on a PA day. And I was like, oh, I can't, I don't know how to do this. You know what I mean? Like I'm freaked out. I don't know. Like, listen, we, I'm already coming. Right listen, like, I, we, like we make out in the hallways and that's when I stopped wearing sweatpants. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's when I stopped. Gotta get some tight jeans. Hold, hold that thing down. Yeah, in grade <laughs> ten, I stopped. Yeah, so that was. I still I was still so embarrassed and so like about breaking up with her over the phone. You know what I mean? Like it was just like and then ignoring her in the hallways. You know what I mean? Like oh, she's across the street. I can't walk in that sc- that door. Yeah, I used to love those uh, weird breakups, man. I remember. Uh, I think grade nine a girl actually broke up to my face i was like you're actually saying this to me right now shouldn't this be a weird note you get your friend past me or it was before texting i guess there were notes or breakup notes yeah. right now yeah, i got a few of those yeah, for hand on those notes do you like me yes no maybe <laughs> yeah i was really bad with really bad with girls and I, I, oblivious to their uh flirtations and like <laughs> not, you know what i mean like you know, and then later on people saying oh you know she liked you i was like what <laughs> Uh, oh, you mean every time she touched my shoulder when she was talking to me, every time she touched my hand, every time she stepped close to me? I had no idea. Like, zero idea. I remember uh, there was like the rocker chicks, right? And uh, she wrote in my yearbook. She's like, uh, have a great summer. Uh, you know, you, you keep on rocking. Uh, P.S. Rockers are the best fuckers. And left her phone number. I was like, what do I, I don't know how to do it. What am I going to do with this? P.S. Rockers are the best fuckers. Johnny, she great. signed everybody's yearbook. <laughs> well, first, I want to know. Did she sign everybody's yearbook like that? Is her number still the same number? I want to go back and say, hi, is Nadia home? Uh, hi. Yeah, I just... That's about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, uh, you left this. <laughs> and you know, in the, in the perfect grade nine, grade 10 penmanship that uh, girls oh, at yeah. that time had, oh, they were just yeah. all frilly and nice. Perfect cursive. Perfect cursive. <laughs> so I, just, I don't think I could write anything in cursive right now. No, I, I, really I could, bad. but I would have to just sit there and think about it. I'm so bad. I'm, well, I print in capitals. Yeah, everything's in capitals. Oh, I was, I'm such. I'm so. Uh, my penmanship is so bad, and every time. David Meziano and I were performing. We would like have we merch to sell after shows. We had CDs and stuff like that. People would have sign something to them. David would be the one who would always. I'd just be scratching my name on it. But David <laughs> had the perfect penmanship, still does, and he'd be the one who'd do that. And then you you would just sign at the end. Like thanks for everything. So do ops. It's so bad. Even now, like when I sign my kids like permission forms, my dad's my, my daughters are like, what are you? What is that, is that your is that a is that a full name? It's gonna be easy to forge. Oh, I know I'm fucked, right? <laughs> Shit. Uh, so you go to university. When do you start getting into comedy? 
So before university, during? So my first year university, it was basically go to school, come back home. I didn't do any extracurricular stuff on campus at all. Oh, and you, were you still living with your parents? I was still living at yeah. home, yeah, yeah. So it would take me like an hour to get there, an hour back. Three buses, transfers, everything. It was a, it was a pain in the ass, especially in the winter. So my second year, uh, so with York University, it's all split into colleges. There's different colleges. I think there's seven different colleges on the campus. And all the students are affiliated with one of the colleges, depending on your your major and stuff. <laughs> so I was I was affiliated with Vanier College. And, uh, and so part of it, all the colleges offered college courses, stuff that you could, elective courses. You didn't have to do that for your major. Uh, so you had to do one or two a year or something like that. There was a, a acting class that I wanted to be part of, but it was full. I couldn't. And but the same production company, the same teacher was teaching a production course, a theater okay. production course, where you build sets and you do lighting and you do sound, you do all that stuff. And I was like, I like that sort of stuff mm-hmm. too. And so that was part of Vanya College Productions up at Vanya College, and it had been around for years. Uh, Fred Turry was the name of the guy who was the artistic director. He taught those two classes, and part of it was you had to a part of your production class was you had to audition for the play that they put on every year. So I auditioned for it and that's where I met Nug and me and Nug became steadfast friends still to this day. And because of that, then I started hanging out on campus more. I would crash in his room. I started making friends on, on campus, but I was hooked doing this play. Like I was doing Romeo and Juliet and just being on stage. I just like, Oh fuck. I love this. I love being on stage. There's something about being in front of an audience. There's something about the immediacy of the energy, the laughter, the sadness, whatever it is, you're getting it from the audience immediately. I was like, oh man. And I loved being on stage singing. So, because in high school, I'd been doing that a couple of times. Uh-huh. I had like some talent show and joined some bands and did some stuff. Uh, but the theater stuff, the performing wise, like, oh, I, I dig this so much. So, at the same time as I'm about to do my performance that week, I break up with my girlfriend. Uh, and we have been dating for a couple of years. We break up and she shows up with her family the same night my 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 family shows up. <laughs> and I'm like so you, you nervous. You her, but she still came to support you. Yeah, she still came to support, I guess. With uh, the whole family. With, with her whole family <laughs> and my whole family there. And, uh, you know, she saw my sisters and was sad and was crying and all this stuff. And, you know, my and, and my family, my dad and my mom didn't know that we had broken up. Mm-hmm. Right. So I go outside after the show, see my family, and my dad was like, why, why are you being so mean to her? And I was just crushed. I was like, I worked so hard on this show, on this piece. Like, I was like, it was everything, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad, instead of my dad saying, good congratulations, job. good job, he was just that. I remember that night was cast party, and, and uh, I hung out and stayed over. And the next day going home, I was like, I'm going to tell my dad off. I'm gonna tell, I was going to say how pissed off I am about this. And then he sees me, and first thing he does was apologize to me. He's like, I'm sorry that I you know, did that. I didn't mean to, you know, like she, you know, I saw her, she got upset and this, but it was, I remember him apologizing, going, holy shit, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he said how, you know, he liked my performance. He thought it was, you know, he liked to see me on stage and stuff. I don't think he understood a word of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember that moment. I was like, oh, wow. He, my dad wasn't oblivious to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are times where I thought he was just oblivious to family stuff and drama and that stuff. But he wasn't. Well, it's nice he came to see him. My old man uh, has never. Oh, yeah? Never once 
come to see me. Yeah. Um, the only thing he ever asked, she's like, how much money are you getting? Yeah. Like, I got a show here. You're getting paid? I'm like, yeah, dad, getting paid. But, yeah. like, never, like, I don't know. Whatever. It's not yeah. his thing. I'm not going to force it on him. My dad, I think he came to see you. Know, when the first time we were in Montreal, David and I performed his do-ups, he came. My mom and him came, and he saw it. And again, I don't think he knew what was going on. I think he just liked the spectacle. He liked seeing his son on stage. Mm-hmm. He was a big fan of like, uh, of like you know, oh, my son was my d- doing the proud dad thing, right? Yeah. He was a, he was a bit of a dick at times, but he, like it he, he wasn't ever a way of him saying, you know, you should go to school, stay in school, get a good job, become a doctor, become a lawyer, do whatever. Yeah. He would just tell stories about his friends and their kids. You know, so-and-so's uh, son is going to school for uh, for to be a doctor. <laughs> oh, you know, this uh, is uh, this guy I go to work with. His son is a, it's a doctor. He's a professor. He's going to be this. And then I was just getting, I had enough of it. I was like, I go, uh, Pop, my friend's dad bought him a car. <laughs> and then he shut up. He didn't, he didn't fucking say anything. After that, he didn't say anything. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I guess um, your dad died before you got the TV show? Yeah, which sucks. Oh, so I never bad. had a chance to uh, to kind of like spoil him with it, mm-hmm. right? So, you know. So how do you and Danny hook up for the doo-ops? David? I mean, <laughs> David, David, sorry. Uh, David and I. So I get... Uh, I graduated sorry, from New York. David. Sorry, David. <laughs> I've been saying your name all through this set, so just so you know. Uh, geez, stoned. Um, I, I am, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I graduated from York uh, after four or five years, whatever it was, and I was still so, uh, still helping out with Vanya College Productions. <laughs> so I go back up for, you know, help out with auditions, and then I was um, um, directing something, uh, and I met David there. David got cast in one of the show one of the shows uh and it turns out that he lived down the street from me so he'd give me rides home every night nice because uh, his dad bought him a car <laughs> <laughs> uh so he uh uh and, and, you know we joke around that it was he, i cast him because he was a great actor but also that he lived around the corner from me. <laughs> so uh uh he did a play at york i got to, i got cast in something else and they were looking for another actor and he uh I said, "Oh, I know what this guy who'll be perfect for this role." So mentioned Dave. Dave gets cast in this in this role, and it was at that time I was like, "I've been wanting to do some musical comedy," and I had been doing a little bit of like singing in one of the sketch troops that I was in. Yeah. I was like, "I want to do more of this. I think it'd be fun." And, and Corky and the Juice Pigs were big at the time, and Sean Cullen was big at the time, and I just was such a big fan of that sort of stuff. I was like, "We should try to do some some musical stuff." And I knew he played guitar. And, Do you play any instruments? Uh, poorly. <clears throat> I could play the drums. I could play harmonica. Again, all poorly, but mm-hmm. enough to carry a tune. Yeah, but a voice like, like an a, angel. Like an angel! <laughs> so we we start doing some stuff together. I, I, I think a year, two years prior to Dave and I getting together, I was at a party and I was stoned and I grabbed the guitar and I know the th- first three, four notes for... Uh, U2 Sunday Bloody Sunday. Like, dun, 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 that's all I know. <laughs> and so there were these two girls that I, I, that I knew they were sitting on the couch. I grabbed this guitar and I started pretending I was like one of the Gypsy Kings, but singing this song. And they just fucking died. I, I mean, we, we all laughed. We were really stoned, but I, and I knew, but I still knew even through the, the, the smoke and everything that there was still something funny there, right? So I held on to that idea for, for that long. I met Dave a couple of years later, and I'm like, listen, man, I got this idea. I don't know if it's going to work, but we can do like covers of like 
classic rock songs, but in Gypsy King style, because the Gypsy Kings were big at the time. Uh, and he's like, let's do it. So we, we, got, we, got, we learned a whole bunch of covers of songs, and, we were, and I became uh, Pepe Sanchez, and he became Jose Luis Rivera. <laughs> and we, we were from Argentina, and we were folk singers, uh, and we would do like a lot of... Uh, and it was just so fucking silly. Yeah. And so we... we uh, People were laughing, though. Oh, my God. People loved it. And it's something about putting on an accent, singing, and still sounding good while singing mm-hmm. that you could get away with anything. Like, you could tell an audience to go fuck themselves, but if you're doing it in harmony, they're like, oh my God, this is so nice. <laughs> so we had those two characters and we kind of almost like split our shows in half. Half the show were these two guys who so would come on on stage halfway through the show and, and play their songs. And the other half was like original stuff that Dave and I were writing. Like we did some parody stuff. Like Dave, Dave had already had No Gino, No Cry in his back pocket, like at least one verse of it yeah. uh, or in the chorus. And we was just making fun of Gino's. And then I was like, listen, that's fantastic. Let's write another verse to it. Another, let's make it a little longer. And we added like a, a, a breakdown. We were beatboxing and stuff like that. And that song just fucking exploded. It was one of those first songs that really kind of like jumped onto Napster and people were like downloading it and nice. stuff like that and was scooting around. And I remember... Were you upset your intellectual property it was? was? Well, it was a parody, so we couldn't do anything <laughs> with it. Uh, it. It was that moment where I realized we had something was when it got emailed back to me uh, saying, oh, you got to hear the song. Yeah, it's I was like, song. oh, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> and then a buddy of mine was saying at, at the end of like at one of those Gino clubs, like the Plastique or something like that, they would play it at last call when the nice. lights were going on. Nice. <laughs> and we had we had been on uh, Humble and Fred when they were on the edge years ago mm-hmm. to promote uh, ra- Raising the Roof, a uh, fundraiser. And we went on and they and because we were on the show, they asked us to go on because we played music. And so we did a couple of songs. We did a couple of the Pepe Jose songs and we did the No Gino No Cry song. And people kept requesting them to play. And so they would always play it on the radio. And then the, the next year we had, we were doing our first headlining act. We rented out the Tim Sims playhouse at the old second city. And we, we went back on to promote the show. Uh, and they helped sell out both shows. It was great uh, to, to have that, to go on the radio and have that, uh, that reach. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we just kept playing and playing and, and, and we, we had some, Good shows, man. Like when Dave and I get on stage and and uh, really focused, and when we're in the zone, we, we put on a really fun show. How long have you guys been together now? Well, it's been almost like it's like 16, 17 years. Yeah, okay, with a little five year hiatus. Five year hiatus. Did, was there anything in that five years? Like when you're like we did a we did a uh, a couple of gigs here and there. We did like a I think we did a festival here, but for the most part, like riding a bike though. When you or? it was tough because we got back. We got asked to do the the sketch fest one year. It was a couple of years back, and we hadn't been on stage for a while. So the songs kind of came back. It was okay. It was just the little interstitial stuff that I said. Oh, I said this, and then you said this, and then remember you jumped on me when I said this, and then with this line you bumped into there. So I was trying to remember that stuff, and also trying to figure out shit. Does this stuff still work? Is it still funny? Stuff that we wrote ten years ago, because mm-hmm. the 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 vibe has changed, right? On, on stage and in clubs mm-hmm. like shit you could get away with 15 years ago you're not yeah, getting away with now a little pc now yeah well a little i think it's very pc <laughs> no, but fuck so it's it's interesting trying to find 
that line that's still funny, that's still edgy, that still crosses it a bit because I love crossing. It's it. where I love- you take five years off, you you come back and there's a list of words you're no longer allowed to say. Yeah, like, but that's what they used to be called. No, no, they don't like that. No, anymore. Yeah, that's not it. That's not it. <laughs> but it was a it, it was a definitely a learning experience to get back into it. But it was fun, man. Like uh, uh, writing new material has been it's been a great process i guess because we've had a time to kind of be separate and then yeah. come back and have life experiences and and be able to to grow with that you guys uh you calendar filling up then uh not as much as i'd like but that's just life yeah, right yeah, yeah. Uh, we're hoping to do more and more oh, like, you guys are like one of the few like i don't know i guess it's is it considered sketch comedy or what? Like it's, a, it's, it's such a, a weird. We're in a weird place because yeah. like no one considers a stand up and no one considers a sketch. But it's like just for laughs considers you good enough to be there. It's ninety nine percent stand up comedians. Yeah. So yeah. like you've got this great little niche that you can go either world. You know. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's great, and and, and it's funny. I, I told this story before. Is like when we when we were first starting, there was so many like sketch troops and 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 acts that were doing music in their acts mm-hmm. uh, that and bad right <laughs> they couldn't sing they couldn't play guitar and they were still doing stuff but I think the thing that separated us was that Dave could actually play guitar Dave's a solid guitar player and we have and we have solid vocals so when the, at the beginning we would come on stage we could hear people go oh fuck not another musical act right oh shit but then you know off a of first strum and a first harmony people are like oh shit they could actually do this yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that a really great musical comedy is the stuff that you forget is a, there's a joke there and it just sounds really good. Like people come up, you should do a real album. You should do real songs. <laughs> I'm like, what are those that you just heard? <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's been, uh, it's been really cool. And again, like, yeah, what did like, Davey do for the five years you were, uh, you still were, is working his day job, still working, uh, his day job. Like, uh, you, you guys never went, like you never did anything solo, right? Like, no, I mean, like I've tried to do a little bit of stand up, but it scares the shit out of me. When I was on the road doing the show, doing the You Gotta Eat Here, every now and then I'd pop into like open mic and do yeah. some stuff just because I missed being on stage. Yeah. And I had never done stand up before. So it was scary to me. Like it's how, still, to work, how to work out. Some of it worked. Some of it didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't. I didn't bomb, but I definitely didn't kill. Mm-hmm. Like some. And, and so it was just trying to figure out. I, I, I still haven't figured out what my solo voice is. Yeah. Is it stories? Is it jokes? Is I, I don't know. Is it character stuff? I really, I still don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope to find that out. But uh, it's scary, man. It's, uh, it's not a tough, everybody, it's, it's a, a tough it's, grind. Oh, fuck yeah. It's very tough. Mm-hmm. And it's always those people who think, oh, I could do that. You know, no, you no, can't. You can't. <laughs> you can't do that. It's different there, than what you think it is. There's, there's hundreds, yeah, hundreds of people in this city who think they can do you it. Are they, funny, no, they can't. You are funny in your room. You are funny with your friends. But that does that translate onto the stage? Mm-hmm. And does it translate? Like, you don't know what it's like. To bomb until you bomb. Oh yeah, I, uh, and it hurts. I've had some... And you never want that feeling again, right? Like that, that's that's like okay, it's never gonna fucking happen. <laughs> never gonna happen again. Uh, yeah, it's. But uh, it, I think in stand up you get to a point where uh, once you're comfortable with the bomb, you're fine. Yeah. Like once you're like, well, fuck, I'm eating it up here, yeah. you know. And like, but if like, because when you're new and you you just think everything's crashing around you yeah. and you don't get it that this show doesn't mean anything you just go to a new show tomorrow and fucking do better you yeah. know but like when you're new you're like oh fuck i'm dying up here and yeah. just i don't know now you just fight through it and like you oh. to fight, you, you, but it's also like i think when you're when you're new you're also like oh that crowd 
Mm-hmm. But then it's like, man, maybe it was like, maybe it was you. Maybe it was you. <laughs> I, I did a show one time where uh, I was doing a forty-five, and at the thirty mark, I uh, said, "Guys, don't worry. There's only fifteen minutes left to this." And I go, "And once the show ends, I'm going to walk that way. Going to pick up my coat off that chair, walk out that door." And I'm like, "That was." I just started incorporating that instead of like, "I'm like, you'll never see me after this. Don't you worry." And then like telling them next year, maybe you want to hire a magician for your, for your Christmas. <laughs> Party. Like, it's funny when, when when you do corporate gigs, when, when people want you to come in, they've seen your act. One person at the office has seen your act mm-hmm. and thinks you're great mm-hmm. and then wants you to do a fundraiser for a cancer. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know if we're appropriate. Oh, no, you're going to be great. You're going to do this. It's going to be great. People are going to love it. You know, you're in between the, the main course and the dessert. And if, especially if it's a Christmas party, people are fucking hammered mm-hmm. and they just want to yeah, make out. They want to make out with their yeah, coworkers and, that, they're, that they, they don't want to fucking stop. When they bring you in for a show, like at the end, like, okay, we're going to, the party's going to be going for a bit. And then we're bringing you in like, no, you got to bring me in at the beginning yeah. before the party starts. Yeah, nobody wants, nobody wants, the party happens, yeah, nobody you wants you. They, nobody's going to stop drinking and talking once, no. a, once some asshole gets a no, microphone no, no. in his hand. And everybody's like, we want 45 minutes. Like, you don't want 45 <laughs> minutes at your party. You want like 20 Mm-hmm. 30 tops if it's having if you're having fun yeah. so you don't want 45 minutes yeah, that's too much because people are tired from work they want to party mm-hmm. they've been flirting with uh ben <laughs> in advertising all year and and Susie someone's getting their ass photocopy yeah. tonight <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, they just want to party um, speaking of parties, uh, I hear you're a non-drinker these days. Not as much. I mean, I still enjoy a drink every now and then. Oh, it's not. I, I uh, somebody. My, I think my girlfriend Kira. Sorry, my fiance Kira. Oh my gosh! Say it. Say it loud. Say it proud. I've known your fiance for years. Uh, yes, yes, I know. For that. years, she, uh, she told me to ask you um, about you asking her to pee on her. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Gary. It was on Gary. <laughs> Uh, that was many years ago, <laughs> prior to children. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have hard party days though? I, not, I mean, not, not hard, hard. I was never a huge, I, like I was always a lightweight, mm-hmm. right? And I always hated the hangover. So I'd always try to edge it. But I mean, like back in the day, I remember back in the day, uh, uh, v- visiting my girlfriend, she used to work down at the, at the you know, when the, the little cruise ships down on, oh, yeah. on Lake, and you, you know, people would rent them up for parties and all this stuff. So I work all day, do gigs, go meet her at midnight, drink until three, mm-hmm. uh, go back to her place, and then be up for eight o'clock, nine o'clock for work, and it was fine. Yeah. I could do that in my twenties. Oh, now, if days. I get hungover now, I'm fucked for days, <laughs> days. Uh, so I don't I, like. I, I enjoy. There, there was years where I wasn't drinking anything, uh, and now I'll have a. I like. I don't have to have a beer, but I'll have a beer. You know, once a week and be fine. Yeah, okay. Like, okay. Uh, but, you know. It, it never got to a problem, though. Oh, no, it was never okay, a problem. Okay. I mean, I used to smoke a lot of pot, but then I st- all of a sudden uh, started getting the my the, the palpitations. Oh, yeah? I was like, I don't know what the fuck happened, but I used to love it. And all of a sudden, I was just, I remember being on the, fuck, I remember being on the subway. I had just smoked a joint with a buddy of mine, and I got on the subway, I was going home, and all of a sudden, I just got this, like, panicky attack. Hmm. And I was like, oh, shit, where is this coming from? Yeah. And I had to, I was like, I was like, oh my God, like tunnel vision. Oh shit. Am I going to faint here? What's going on? So remember getting off the subway at St. George, call, I was, I called my house to talk to my sister. My mom answers. I'm like, mom, can I talk to Rosie, please? I might talk to my sister. I was like, Rose, you got to talk me down. I'm really stoned right now. And I just walked. 
from St. George Subway Station all the way to like St. Clair and uh, Bathurst. And I just talked to her on the phone. On my flip phone, on my <laughs> razor back in the day. Um, how old are you at this point? You're walking back to your uh, folks' place. Uh, no, I was walking back to my, oh, to yeah, my um, apartment where okay. I was. Uh, or was I still living at home? Fuck, I don't know. I was in my early 30s. Well, how long did you uh, live at home till you Italians like to stick around, eh? Yeah, I was there until my late 20s. Oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I, I thought my room cleaned itself, honestly. Like, I just, like, <laughs> magical. Uh, I was spoiled. Like, was spo- like, that way, I was spoiled, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, like, I remember calling when I moved out, and I was cleaning my first bathroom ever. <laughs> and I was like, I had to call mom. I was like, Ma, how do I do this? That was, that and she was like, oh, do you want me to come over? I was like, no, I don't want you. Yes, I want you to come over. But my girlfriend is not going to like this. How do I How do I do this? One of my first jokes ever in stand-up is about after I, uh, I moved out of my wife's house or whatever, or our house. She called me because she couldn't get the lawnmower started, and I just laughed at her and I go and then I felt bad about a week later I had to call her and ask her how to clean the toilet <laughs> like, that was like, like joke number three I ever told <laughs> uh, well I didn't mow my first lawn until I bought my house we never had a lawn growing up uh, that's how I made money growing up did you really Cut, cutting lawns in the neighborhood and, amazing and then um, and then I think I was around 21 or something I was going to college, but in the summers I was working landscaping and uh, cutting lawns. And I, I always said like, if I had like, you know, people are like, what job would you do if you just, I cut lawn, I just fucking ride along on a lawnmower and get up and get the weed whacker going. It's just such a peaceful thing. And yeah. then like seeing your finished product, you're like, oh, nothing looks better than a cut lawn. We don't have a bit. It's true. We don't have a big lawn, but we have a, a you know, backyard and a front lawn and we have a push, a push mower. Whereabouts, uh, where are you living now? What's your exa- Claire, exact address, uh, uh, please? Exact address. <laughs> Like St. Clair and Dufferin area, okay. like Corso Italia. Nice. Uh, so back in that hood, but we don't have a we don't have a uh, we don't have a big lawn. But my, you ever we go have to Camiso's Bakery up there. Camiso's is farther oh, for the north. north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I go I go to Tremari Bakery oh, okay. on St. Clair. It's been there for sixty years. Nice, Same nice. family that owns it. Nice. Very delicious. <laughs> and they're once every other day getting fresh panini and cold cuts <laughs> and uh, a nice cannoli. Uh, one canolo you are italian eh? oh man a nice canolo <laughs> they make the great they make the best canola there man you'd love it oh anyway so uh, i want to get an electric my wife's like why do we need an electric for it's just it's just a small lawn i was like yeah but we're gonna have this small lawn for how many years mm-hmm. we buy the electric and we can just do it right because right now i don't want to push the, she does it all the time because mm. i don't want to fucking push a, a, a lawnmower around i don't want to <laughs> do it let's get one of those old real ones <laughs> We have, we have it. That's the one we have, right? You know, and that needs to get sharpened. So I'm waiting for the the sharpening guy to come around with his van. Uh, bringing his bell. Bringing his bell. He was around last week, but I wasn't home. I saw him. I was walking away and he was coming out. I was like, ah, shit. Uh, but my neighbor across the street has an electric. And I come over and, my, and she let my wife borrow it. And my wife's like, yeah, this is good. I was like, I told you. Like, just plug it in for a bit. And yeah, just get it done. It's nice. Nice. What's, uh, what's, how long have you been with your wife? We've been married for 13, together for like 16, 17, something nice. like Nice. Yeah. In yeah. for the long haul. Things yes. still good? Yeah, things are good. Yeah. yeah. And what do you got for kids? You got two daughters. Two daughters. 10 and 8. Oh, my. Uh, they're good kids. They're very funny. Very funny kids. Like, 
very good with voices, very good with like improv, like funnier and more outgoing than I ever was as a kid. I was like, I was like, how the one that, like you guys, this is great. You guys are really good. They're very artistic, uh, sporty and as well. You guys are encouraging that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My like my eldest wants to do like my daughter Ruby wants to do art. Like that's what she wants to be an artist when she grows up. And what's your wife do? She's a writer. Okay. Like for uh, she she's a web editor for a college in town, so she does that. All right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're uh, you're you're nervous being unemployed, or you think you got you? I don't know. You got a you know, optimistic there. outlook yeah, on everything. Uh, yeah, like I I try to be optimistic. I try to be like I try to go with the flow, but it's hard for me, right? Like it's always mm-hmm. been like my dad instilled. Well, yeah, your dad had three jobs. And, yeah, uh, so my dad like, instilled that whole mm-hmm. you got to be working, got to be making well, money. That's, that's, I think that's what keeps me in my day job because oh, my yeah. dad's just like you got fucking benefits, you got everything you yeah. need. Like when um, I remember, I remember telling my dad that I was quitting my job. It was a big fucking deal, man. Because mm-hmm. I, I had to. I, I, same thing. I had benefits. I was in the union. I was making good cash. Because the day I got my my job, my real the first like the first week I was working at my job, my dad was like, "You got the job? Yeah, okay. Now you get married and you get a mortgage." <laughs> that was his thing. That was his thing. So for me to tell my dad, I remember telling my mom first, saying, "Listen, I'm gonna quit my job." I need your support, not financially. Mm-hmm. I just need emotionally. I need your support that I'm doing this. She's like, for sure, go ahead. And then when I told my dad, he was like, okay. He goes, you could try it. You could always go back. You could go back, right? You could go back to your job if you need to. You could go back. <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. I said that. Yeah. And uh, I go back to a job. <laughs> go back to a job. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. Like, uh, so not working is a bit of a mind fuck. Uh, it was playing with my uh, my confidence for sure. Like, you're like, shit, am I, like, what's going to be next, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, like, uh, last week I I, I I got asked to be part of a, a fundraiser for the Harold Green Jewish Theater Company. They were doing a, 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 an in-concert performance of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Mm-hmm. And they asked if I wanted to be part of it. I was like, uh, Avery Saltzman sent me an email saying, hey, we're doing this. I think it'd be great in one of the roles. I was like... I, lo- I, I and it, this was in between me hearing about the seasons for the for the new sh- for the new season if it was going to even happen, mm-hmm. and I was like I, I I'd love to can you hold off can you until I hear and then I heard that it wasn't going to do it so I was just like listen I'd love to do it and Colin Mockery was in it and Pat McKenna was nice. in it they had a full orchestra you know what I mean and and, and it's funny because at the beginning of the year I was like I want to do some musical theater mm-hmm. I want to do some I want to be on stage I want to sing I want to do something that I haven't done and I want to push and get better. It's the only because I always thought the only way to get better is to work with yeah, different people, right? That, yeah, that's how you get better. Uh, and I got to do it. I got to do this theater stuff, and it just happened. So I was just like, I guess if I put stuff into the universe, shit will happen. Then I love to do another TV show. I don't know what it is. I'd love to. I'd love to interview people as well. I love talking. But one of the best things about doing the show, you got to eat here, was interviewing people. Yeah. I love that. I love meeting people and talking about people. owners, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, but also the customers, right? Just talking to regular people about why they love this food and what they did with their lives and all that stuff. I, I love doing that. Hey, that's what I'm doing right now, You're man. You're a good person. <laughs> um, we're going to wrap this up, man, but this was a lovely chat. Yeah, man. That was just, this is great. We uh, we got to plug your show coming up at the Danforth Music Hall, yeah. Accent on Toronto. October 11th at the Danforth Music Hall, CBC radio does their accent on Toronto. Laugh out loud. Yeah. So it's going to be... work with them on the Icebreakers Comedy Festival in Niagara on the Lake, January. How did that go? How was the first one? Was it good? The, the Icebreakers? Uh, we're going on number five. Oh, this is five now. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we Now we've finally got a big theater down there, one of the Shaw Theaters. Hey, Shaw man. Festival uh, we're around in January. 
Um, all right. Can you do a, another LOL taping by then? Does <laughs> it have to be tape? We have to do tape? You're doing TV well, tape as well? No, we're just doing uh, radio, radio taping. Stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can I find some stuff. I was thinking about you today, buddy. You're a good person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be great. We haven't we, we performed on Accent on Toronto years ago, and uh, it was a great time. And then Tracy Rideout uh, kind of reached out and Tracy's asked if we great. wanted to host it. We were like, yes. Oh, you're hosting? Yeah, we're hosting this year. Oh, sorry. So you're not putting anything on tape then? We are. They're still putting us. They're still oh, okay, putting okay. stuff on tape. But, okay. uh, so it's going to be cool. Nice, yeah. nice, yeah. nice. That's fun, man. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a whole bunch of gigs around the city before then, try to just get our stuff on, on stage. So if you're around. I think I, think I booked you for um, Dope in My Comedy. Oh, my goodness. When is that? The, I think the Wednesday before. Yes, it is. Um, uh, yeah, Dope in My Comedy every Wednesday at the Underground Comedy Club. That's where I am. Uh, Johnny, uh, just plug your uh, socials, and then we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, man. you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at John Catucci, J-O-H-N-C-A-T-U-C-C-I. You see, see, uh, yeah, we'll see you soon. All right, right. coming at you, commercial free. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you very much, uh, guys. That's been another episode of the Potato Files here on the Never Sleeps Network uh, with John Catucci, star of stage and screen. Um, it was an absolute pleasure having you here, pal. Thanks, pal. All right, we'll see you soon. Yeah, bye bye, everybody. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.